Hi, I'm Damon Fairless, host of Hunting Warhead from CBC Podcasts and the Norwegian newspaper VG. Hunting Warhead follows a global team of police and journalists as they attempt to dismantle a massive network of predators on the dark web. Winner of the grand prize for best investigative reporting at the New York festivals and recommended by The Guardian, Vulture, and The Globe and Mail, you can find Hunting Warhead on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, Dr. Brian Goldman here. Today, we're bringing you an encore of an episode that aired in April. It's about how to breathe better. It's great information for anyone, but especially if you're feeling a little anxious about Omicron or anything else at this time of year. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. Take a breath. I'll wait. In fact, I'll do it too. Today on The Dose, breathing. How to do it right and why it matters to your health. Since the pandemic, I've been paying attention to the talk out there about breathing. Meditation apps coach you on how to breathe deeply and they've surged in popularity. The paradox, of course, is that we're dealing with a virus that at its most dangerous can make it hard to get enough oxygen. The guy I'm about to talk to has spent years examining the science behind catching air and its astonishing connection to good health. Hi, James. Thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot for having me. Do, do you want to take a breath before we get started? I've been taking a breath, uh, you know, since right at the beginning when you started talking. I've been holding my breath, actually. A lot of benefits to that holding as well. It. Oh, yeah. Well, that's not a that's a, holding your breath isn't a good. Well, it is a good idea, I guess, if you're free diving, right? <laughs> or if you're trying to take control of your stress, get those CO2 levels up and, and calm your mind. It's a great strategy for that. My name is James Nestor. I'm a science journalist and author of the book called Breath, The New Science of a Lost Art. You write that humans are the worst breathers in the animal kingdom. How so? All you need to do, if you don't believe me, is just look around. Look at 10% of the population with asthma, 15% with chronic sinusitis, how many people snore, have sleep apnea, about half the population. So this was something that was really hard for me to get my head around when I first heard it. But I spoke to many biological anthropologists, some pulmonologists, and they showed me that this is exactly the case. Our faces and mouths have changed significantly over the last few hundred years, so much so that it's difficult for most of us just to get a free and easy breath of air. And you're saying that a whole bunch of the diseases that you listed come from having misshapen mouths from bad breathing? Those maladies can be exacerbated and in some cases caused by having this mouth that's too small for our face. If you're looking at snoring and sleep apnea, chronic obstruction of the nasal sinuses, those things are all tied to what Harvard anthropologist Daniel Lieberman calls disevolution. This concept that evolution, at least for the human species, is not working in a straight line forward of progress. We've taken a strong left turn and are actually developing characteristics that are very injurious to our long-term health. So, James, how much does all of this connect to our nasty habit of mouth breathing? (laughs) It connects directly to it. So, you know, the changes in our face, the changes in our mouth, that isn't entirely the cause of this chronic mouth breathing. Pollution plays a large part. Mold, dust, allergies also plays a part. But it's this perfect storm of all of these various things in our modern environment that have made us, so many of us, habitual mouth breathers. 
So tell us how that happens in our lives uh, if animals do it right. And I, hmm. I think in your book says animals do it right. So why do we do it wrong? <laughs> sure. Uh, we'll check out a cheetah running at 50 miles per hour, stalking prey, um, breathing through its nose. Check out a, a racehorse when it's running, breathing through its nose. 5,400 different mammals habitually breathe through their nose. Dogs breathe through their mouth sometimes to offload heat, to thermoregulate. But humans as a species, about 25 to 50% of us are habitual mouth breathers. And when we go to sleep, something like around 60% of us breathe through our mouths. So when you breathe through your mouth, you're exposing your lungs to everything in the environment. And if you live in a city like I do, that means dust, pollution, and a whole bunch of other stuff you don't want directly into your lungs. Our noses are our first line of defense. And so few of us tend to use them today. So the first rule is we should be breathing in and out uh, of our nose as much as possible. But but you've said you've said in the book that this mouth breathing begins for most of us at or, or near birth. It's chewing. So if you look at the past three hundred years with the advent of industrialized food, look at what all this food has in common. A lot of it is uh, nutritionally deficient. Okay, that's one thing. And the other thing is it's all soft canned stuff, bottled stuff, cooked stuff, baked stuff. It's all soft. So our ancestors chewed for about three to four hours a day, every day. And because they chewed that much, they were able to develop these very wide, powerful jaws, right? All of our ancestors, hunter gatherers had straight teeth, all of them. 90% of us have some sort of crookedness in our teeth today. And the major input in here has been the lack of chewing and chewing starts in infancy. Uh, I consider breastfeeding chewing because it involves so many coordinated different activities in the mouth to, to allow yourself to develop that proper skeleture and musculature. You know, you've started to list some of the diseases that may be associated with mouth breathing, but, but break it down a little bit more. What are the impacts on our health and well-being from mouth breathing? Sure. So when you breathe too much, you tend to be breathing through your mouth because there, there is no buffer in the mouth, right? If you take a breath right now through your nose and out, it's really hard to overbreathe through your nose because there are all these different structures which slow down that air and pressurize it. And that's what you want. By taking these slower, easier breaths, you can extract more oxygen through the mouth. I just took a breath right there, right? So uh, it allows us when we're breathing through our mouth, there's, there's no gauge to our breathing. So we tend to breathe up into our chest and we tend to breathe way too much. And when we breathe this way, we cause a stress response in our bodies and we actually inhibit circulation throughout our bodies as well. So when this becomes a habit, you're constantly stressing yourself out. You're increasing your inflammation. You're spiking your cortisol. And this can lead, after a while, to a whole bunch of chronic maladies. So what are some of the other bad breathing habits that potentially harm our health? Well, I mean, again, just, just look around at how we're breathing. So uh, posture is, is a major one. So there's mouth breathing, which is very bad. Don't do it. There's also your posture. If you're sitting in front of Zoom calls all day, like I certainly am, we tend to hunch over. And even if we wanted to take a very soft, light, fluid breath deep into our bellies, we can't because our posture won't allow us. Tight clothing, if you look at the Victorian era, what was very hip to wear at that time, tight belts, tight vests, corsets, all of these things inhibit our most basic 
biological function to take a free and easy breath. So what do we do? We start breathing into our chest, right? And we start breathing into our mouths. So that's, that's another thing, correct posture and focusing on taking fewer breaths, but lighter breaths and deeper breaths. We're going to get into some of those lessons uh, in, in just a moment. You were part of an experiment at Stanford University. You spent two weeks with silicone stuck up your nostrils so you could only breathe through your mouth. How did that impact your health after the two weeks? Some people, when they first heard about this experiment, thought that this was some sort of, you know, jackass stunt or supersize me stunt. But if you look at the majority of people, so many people habitually mouth breathing, all we were doing in this experiment was lulling ourselves into a position that so many people already knew. The difference was we were testing what happened to our brains, what happened to our bodies. So the setup of the experiment down at Stanford was 10 days of just mouth breathing, followed by 10 days of the vast majority nasal breathing. And we compared data sets afterwards. And uh, we knew that mouth breathing wasn't going to be pleasant, right? But we didn't know it was going to be so awful so quickly. And by that, I mean, I started snoring. I had never snored before. My blood pressure went through the roof. I was extremely fatigued. And these weren't just subjective markers. These were markers that all of the machines were telling us what was happening to our body just by switching the pathway of air. And then... You did the opposite. You spent two weeks taping your mouth shut so you can only breathe through your nostrils. And how did that affect your health? Well, all of those problems that we had acquired, it was me and one other subject, all the snoring from, from four hours a night, um, mouth breathing, okay? From zero snoring before to mouth breathing four hours a night to zero. Uh, blood pressure went down about 30 points. It didn't stay there because blood pressure fluctuates throughout the day. But when you focus on your breath, when you take these fluid breaths through your nose, you can absolutely affect your blood pressure. Um, and I certainly saw that. So I want to be clear, this N2 experiment didn't prove anything. What we were doing was just further buttressing what science had already known about nasal breathing and its role in circulation, in heart rate, in stress, in sleep, and more. So since you brought it up, it was certainly something I wanted to ask you about. How much scientific evidence is there to back up some of the things you've been talking about, about the differences between breathing through your nose and breathing through your mouth? <laughs> well, I have more than 500 scientific references in the bibliography of this book because no one should believe me. No one should believe this stuff. I didn't believe it when I first heard it, but my job is to go out and talk with the experts in the field. Um, that would be uh, Dr. Jayakar Nayak uh, down at Stanford, various experts at, at Harvard and more. And it's, it's irrefutable. This is biology. You, you, know? um, it, you can look at the human nose. You can look at the various roles the nose plays in regulating your breath. And there's no controversy about this. It's just we've completely forgotten about it. We think that air through the mouth is the same as air through the nose. And even some ENTs don't even know these differences, uh, which is really tragic. And, and I've spoken to dozens and dozens of them, but the word is certainly getting out. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be back in a moment. What if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it? Unlocking the Fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop, or even reverse it. When do you think we're going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive. Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. 
let's break down how we should be breathing. You've said we should breathe through our nose. How much slower should we be breathing? Hmm. Well, it, it depends on what you're doing. Right. If you're jogging or if you're fighting someone, um, then your breathing is going to be much, much more accelerated than it would be if you're sitting on a couch watching Queen's Gambit or something. So what we should be doing is to be breathing in line with our metabolic needs. Easier said than done. Right. So the nose is a wonderful gauge for this. Because it is, as I said before, it's very hard to overbreathe through your nose, and so many of us tend to overbreathe. So, a very good way of breathing at rest to condition yourself to breathe slower is to take in a breath to about five to six seconds and out for five to six seconds. As Westerners, we tend to really push this and go, Yeah, I feel great. This is about taking a very mellow, light, soft breath deeply it should be almost imperceptible to someone who would be watching you across a room and that's a way to condition yourself to have that slightly higher level of co2 which can actually be very beneficial in our bodies and when you're jogging breathe through your nose this is going to be extremely difficult for the first few weeks or even the first few months because we're so conditioned to breathe through the mouth but huge gains in performance and recovery by just switching to nasal breathing. Once you're breathing through the nose, you're about 70% there. Then you need to really start to focus on taking these slower breaths. And when you're breathing in for five to six seconds and, and breathing out through mm -hmm. your nose for five to six seconds, do you pause? how long do you pause in between breathing in and breathing out? There's no pausing. So, so think of breathing like, like a circle. Okay. Um, a lot of us are used to yoga breathing. We go to yoga class and you breathe in or you hold your breath. This coherent breathing is what it's, that's, that's the scientific term for it or, or resonant breathing. It's also been called is breathing in a circle. So, so five to six seconds in five to six seconds out. Don't push it. Acclimate your body to breathing this way. What you're doing when you're breathing this way is you're allowing your body to work in a state of efficiency. And when it works in a state of efficiency, all of the systems are very happy. So now we, you know, we kind of played with a breathing lesson at the top, but, but I want you now to walk me through a lesson in how to breathe. Well, I think that the, the first thing people need to do is, and this doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're an ultra marathoner or you're an asthmatic, everyone can benefit from sharing in this foundation of healthy breathing. And the very first step, it's very boring. Uh, the first step is just awareness. Notice how terrible your breathing is throughout the day. If you're like me and I was gauging my breathing every minute of every day, it was a disaster. Every time I jumped on email, when I would get stressed out, my breathing would just completely fall apart. So it starts with awareness. The next thing is, you already know this one, breathe through your nose. Okay. If it's hard to breathe through your nose, then you need to fix your nose in, in some capacity. Uh, Nyack down at Stanford told me if a sink is clogged in your house, you find a way of clearing it as soon as possible. The nose needs to be considered in the same way. Some people need surgery. Some people just need to use their noses more. So use it or lose it. The next step here is to breathe slowly. Okay. Um, this doesn't mean to struggle to breathe. This means to take fewer breaths, but deeper breaths. By allowing yourself to take these deeper breaths, you will get more oxygen. So you will be using that air more efficiently. If you think about taking a bunch of very fast breaths, you're just breathing into the top of your lungs. 
And so, so much of that is in dead space that can't participate in gas exchange. With the slower breath, six seconds in, six seconds out, you use about 85% of the air. That's the amount that participates in gas exchange. With shorter breaths, you use about 50%. And, and if you breathe into to, to, for six seconds and breathe out for six seconds, in and out through your nose, uh, if my math is correct, that's five breaths in 60 seconds. Five breaths in a minute, that's far lower than what I was taught was a normal this, breathing rate in school. This is, this is not, okay, I, I need to make something very clear. This is an exercise to acclimate yourself to slower breathing. There's no way somebody 24 hours a day is going to be able to take these five to six breaths a minute. This is an exercise. You can do this for five minutes a day for 10 minutes a day, okay? And this allows you to tolerate a slight increase of CO2 because it's CO2 that triggers the need to breathe, okay? It's not oxygen. It's rising levels of CO2. And a lot of people are super sensitized to CO2. So by allowing yourself to breathe slowly, you will then be able to easy, more easily develop a habit of breathing more slowly, more fluidly. So uh, a healthy respiratory rate is probably... You know, uh, what's considered normal now is, is what, 12 to 18, up to 20. Um, what was considered normal 40 years ago, and I know this from my, my father-in-law, who's a pulmonologist, was 8 to 12. And it's, it's not always an either-or. When is it okay to use your mouth as part of this breathing thing? If you are an elite athlete and, you know, it's the last couple seconds of a game and you need to really score a goal, you can breathe whatever way you want. Uh, there's a time and place for, for everything. If you're laughing, if you're sighing, breathe through your mouth. It's completely fine. This, I, I'm glad you brought this up. I'm talking about habitual breathing. Okay, so so even if right now I'm breathing through my mouth, I'm talking to you. At the end of this, I won't be. So I'm talking about the 95% of the day and, and night. You know, you want to be breathing through your nose. Um, but this doesn't mean that you can't ever breathe through your mouth. Of course you can. If you have obstruction or if you're sick, breathe through your mouth. Completely fine. This is about habits. This is about habitual breathing. And if you're going to do it that way, uh, I think one thing I, I read about in the book is two quick breaths through your nose and then, and then kind of let out a sigh through your mouth. This is a great way of resetting your breathing. Um, so I learned this from Dr. Andrew Huberman down at Stanford, who has this big initiative in breathing right now. And he calls this a physiological sigh. And it goes like this. So it's one breath on top of the other. This resets your breathing pattern and calms yourself down. And he, he has found that this is the quickest way of resetting your nervous system. If you're really angry, if you're really pumped up, one breath on top of the other and just let it out. Just You can exhale through your mouth. It's fine. You can exhale through your nose too. That's fine too. This is an exercise you're going to do three or four times. So whenever you feel that tension building up, just... That's all it takes. Ah, I feel better already. Okay, so many questions. During the pandemic, um, I wear a mask constantly in the emergency department, and sometimes I feel short of breath. So am I suffering from low oxygen, hypoxia, or am I just feeling anxious? It depends what the oxygen level is in the room, right? Um, so it depends what the CO2 level is in, in the room. 
So it, it, a lot of people have written, hundreds of people have written saying, there's no way I'm getting enough oxygen when I'm breathing through a mask. I'm outside. I'm not getting enough oxygen. I'm panicking. What they're responding to is a slight increase of CO2. I've seen about five to six studies showing there is no oxygen deficiency when you're breathing through a mask. And they were looking at surgical masks from these very heavy duty masks with five different layers of cloth on them. And if anyone questions this, all you need to do is get a pulse oximeter. Okay. These things cost about 15 bucks now, and you can place one on your finger and you can breathe with your mask on for a few minutes and you can look at your oxygen levels. And I've done this with various masks and, and my oxygen levels have not changed. Is there any way that we can change our breathing while wearing a mask that might make us feel more comfortable? Absolutely. You can breathe through your nose. A lot of people think that they are protecting themselves by wearing a mask and they default to mouth breathing. That is not a good strategy. The mask is much more effective at stopping you from infecting someone else than from someone else infecting you through the mask. So I see this all the time. Um, people jogging and they're just <sighs> breathing through the mask. Not good. So I take the mask as an opportunity to focus on my breath because it's really hard not to pay attention to your breathing when you're wearing a mask. I take the mask as an opportunity to breathe slowly, to breathe through my nose, and to breathe in this fluid, rhythmic way. And if you're able to do this and condition your body to do it, you can look at the mask as a, as a calming device. So what's the first thing someone listening should do if they want to start to breathe better? <laughs> You know, I keep hammering on about this this nasal thing, but breathe through your nose. Uh, you're going to want to start with that. Um, but but even before that, become aware of your breathing. Um, I know I mentioned that before, but but I I believe that that's that and nasal breathing are you figure that out. You're about eighty. 85% there with the awareness and the nasal breathing because the nose controls so many of these functions that it's, it's the guardian of your health and your breathing rate and so much more. So I really think it has to start there. Well, thank you for helping us breathe easier. <laughs> I hope I helped. Thanks for having me. James Nestor is a science journalist and the author of the book, Breath, The New Science of a Lost Art. Here's your dose of smart advice. Habitual mouth breathing is bad for your health. It raises your blood pressure, increases the risk of obstructive sleep apnea, and even contributes to periodontal disease. To breathe better and get healthier, practice breathing through your nostrils. To get the most benefit, try breathing in for five or six seconds through your nose. Then, without pausing, breathe out for five or six seconds. Slower breaths usually mean deeper breaths and more oxygen, not less. It also means a bit more carbon dioxide, which helps deliver more oxygen to parts of your body that need it, like the brain and other vital organs. If you feel like you're not getting enough air while wearing a mask during the pandemic, it may be because you're mouth breathing. Try breathing through your nose while wearing a mask. And remember that studies have shown that masks do not impair breathing. If you have topics you'd like to hear on The Dose or questions you'd like answered, email us at thedose at cbc.ca. You can also tweet me at NightShiftMD or at CBC White Coat using the hashtag TheDoseCBC. You can find The Dose and White Coat Black Art wherever you get your podcasts. Please do us a favor and rate our shows highly so more people can find us. This edition of The Dose was produced by Willow Smith and Donna Dingwall with digital support from Fabiola Carletti. Thanks to Aronde Williams for technical support. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. But if you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. 
I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.